You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. Seen in its original context, Luke's birth narrative for Jesus, it subverts the economic, political, social, and theological systems of its day. The question we have to ask today is, do these stories still offer anything to our justice work now? And if they do, what are they offering? Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first-century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. This is episode 308, and our title is Great Joy for All People, Part 1. Our feature text is Luke 2.10, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Advent season has begun, and seen in its original context, Luke's birth narrative for Jesus, it subverts the economic, political, social, and theological systems of its day. The question we have to ask today is, do these stories still offer anything to our justice work now? And if they do, what are they offering? And to answer these questions, we have to go back and try to read the story from the social locations of its intended audience. And these narratives, they're primarily concerned with this world, this life. It's not with heaven. Go back and reread them. Too often, the birth narratives of Jesus are read through the lens of salvation defined as entrance into a a post-mortem heaven or post-mortem bliss. But that's not how the original Jewish Jesus community would have heard these stories. That community was concerned with the whole of life, not merely with an afterlife. A spiritual or afterlife application of these narratives, that became the dominant interpretation of these stories through expanding Roman Empire's culture and European colonialism. Reading the gospel narratives with an otherworldly focus, that has had intensely destructive fruit since then. Before imperial Christianity, uh, people understood these narratives about as being about the, the transformation of this world. And they were not solely theological. They were political, they were economic, and they were social as well as theological. And they pointed toward the hope of the end of violence, the end of injustice, and the end of oppression. It was good news of great joy for all people. And first, acknowledging the political context in which the Jesus narratives were written is important. Borg and Crossan, speaking of their own uh, book's focus on the uh, political context of the Jesus stories, they remind us, this is from their book, The First Christmas, page 55, what would you think of a book that started with the opener, I'm going to discuss Mahatma Gandhi as a Hindu saint, but I'll skip all that distracting stuff about British Imperial India. Or another with, I'm going to describe Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as a Christian saint, but I'll get right to his biography and skip all that stuff about racism in America as background baggage, you would know immediately that something is seriously wrong with those authors' presentations. I I appreciate uh, Borg and Crossan here on this. The, The political context of the Jesus story 
it could forever change how we read the birth narratives of Jesus. In Luke, these narratives were originally intended to subvert the systemic injustice of the Roman Empire. And they speak to our time too. Systemic racism continues to thrive. Xenophobia towards refugees thrives. A Muslim, a fear of Muslim Americans flourishes. U.S. militaristic methods of achieving peace, just like the Roman Empire, are continually touted by those who even carry the name of this babe of Bethlehem. So if we're to discover the original subversive power of these stories and rightly apply them to our justice work today, we must begin by reading them in the matrix of imperial Rome, alongside uh, the hopes of many in, in first century Judaism. Uh, this, the, the, the titles given to the babe in the manger, you see this so clearly here. They were, in the Roman world, they were the titles given to the emperor or to Caesar. The gospel of Rome promised peace, uh, through victory uh, achieved by violence. And the conquered, they interpreted this kind of peace in a vastly different way than their conquerors did. And the gospel of the early Jesus community, it envisioned a peace through a restored distributive justice for all, through a distinctly nonviolent transformation. And Luke's birth narrative it's quite different from Matthew's, and one difference is that Luke's narrative centers the voices of women more than Matthew's does. Luke and Matthew's birth narratives, they also differ on geography. Luke progresses from Nazareth to Bethlehem to Nazareth with no time spent in Egypt. Matthew starts in Bethlehem, then moves to Egypt, and then from there moves on to Nazareth. And finally, unlike Matthew's narrative, which was for a Jewish uh, for specifically Jewish Jesus followers in Galilee, Luke's narrative is for a broader uh, Gentile Jesus-following audience. It was for, uh, for, for Jesus followers, both Jewish and Gentile, throughout the entire Roman Empire. And this may help to explain why Matthew... Matthew's gospel treats the Herodians in Galilee as the tools of Rome, while Luke, uh, it takes a much more direct aim at Caesar himself. It skips right over the Herodians. So, so, so these stories, they're not about, and remember, they're not about a debate between Christianity and Judaism. We do see uh, an early hybrid Christian and Jewish move here against Roman imperialism. Early Jewish Jesus followers lived within Judaism, and while they were in dialogue and, and sometimes even competition with other Jewish voices, they were still Jewish voices. And this is the backdrop I want us to see behind Luke's birth narrative. In Luke, we're seeing seeing well, first, we're not seeing Jesus versus Judaism. We're rather seeing Jesus versus Rome. And we can find signs of a growing anti-Semitism in early Christianity in Luke's gospel. There's not as much, though, in Luke as we find in John. John has more of it. Yet Luke does contain more than we find in Matthew and definitely more than what we find in Mark. But when we can explore Luke's agenda, when we 
read his uh, stories through these filters. Number one, first century Christianity, not imperial or colonial Christianity or westernized Christianity as we know it today. But when we look at it through the, the filter of first century Christianity, number two, Christianity in the first century uh, Judaism. How did Christianity relate to first century? What were the early Jesus uh, followers, how did they relate uh, within the context of first century Judaism? And then number three, Judaism itself within the systemic injustice and oppression of Roman imperialism. Now, we're going to start this week with Roman imperialism, and then we'll work our way backwards. First, Roman imperialism. When we speak about Roman imperialism, we're referring to the integration of military economic, political, and theological, philosophical layers in Rome. This four-pronged imperialism, it was a method of, of economic distribution, a type of human social organization, a social order and its exercise or its lack of exercising distributive justice, and specifically Rome's vision for peace within its empire, the Pax Romana. So during the time of Luke's birth narrative, it was Augustus Caesar who received the titles divine, son of God, God from God, Lord, Redeemer, Liberator, Savior of the world. Rome had experienced several civil wars as a democratic republic and had regressed to the point of disintegration when Octavian, who was later called Augustus, he became Rome's savior. And through Augustus, Rome transitioned from an imperial republic to an imperial monarchy. And Augustus was regarded as God, as son of God, as savior of the world. In addition to these other titles, he was dubbed in Latin as the one who is divine or Sebastos in Greek or the one who is to be worshipped. Temples were even inscribed uh, to him with the dedication, the autocrat Caesar, the son of God, the God to be worshipped. And all of with as with all domination systems, the four imperial aspects of Rome, it produced a society where an elite at the top benefited from the, the subjugation of many beneath them. And Luke addresses all four imperial aspects in his gospel. In response to Rome's military power, Luke presents Jesus's teaching nonviolence. In response to Rome's economic power, Luke presents Jesus's teaching on wealth redistribution. In response to Rome's political power, Luke presents Jesus, not Caesar, as liberator, redeemer, the bringer of peace, Lord and Savior of the world. And in response to Rome's theology of a ruler who is supposedly born to divine human parents and so was named the Son of God, God to be worshipped, Luke presents Jesus and his subversive kingdom. Scholar Adolf Gustav Deismann once wrote, this is in his book, Light from the Ancient East, page 349. He wrote, the early establishment of a polemical parallelism between the cult of Christ and the cult of Caesar and the application of the term uh, Lord, and he goes on to say it must not be ignored. Rome's theology, it was larger, though, than Caesar and included 
the worship of deities like Mars, the god of war. Uh, but remember, Caesar was worshipped as the incarnate representation of the divine. Caesar was God incarnate. And knowing Augustus's birth narratives... It reinforces this. The story was that on the night of Augustus's conception, his father dreamed that the sun rose from his wife Atias's womb. Caesar Augustus, it says, was the uh, was the coming of light to the world. Now think about that, especially with the image and Luke of light uh, and the light of the world. Augustus was believed to be, quote-unquote, the son of God, fathered by Apollo, and Apollo in turn was the son of God, fathered by Zeus, the supreme god of Roman and, and the Roman and Greek pantheon. This description of Augustus Caesar's conception um, is, is, is interesting. This, I want to share another one from the second century uh, that cites an Egyptian story about Augustus. It dates uh, the, the, the second century uh, one dates, it references the Egyptian story that dates all the way back to 31 and 29 BCE. So it predates um, uh, the life of Jesus. This is uh, Suetonius's The Twelve Caesars, page 94. When Atia, remember that's Augustus's mother, had come in the middle of the night to the solemn service of Apollo, she had her litter set down in the temple and fell asleep, while the rest of the matrons also slept. On a, uh, on a sudden, a serpent glided up to her and shortly went awake. When she awoke, she purified herself as if after the embrace of her husband, and at once there appeared on her body a mark in colors like a serpent, and she could never get rid of it. So that presently she ceased ever to go to the public baths. In the tenth month after Augustus was born, and was therefore regarded in the sorry, in the tenth month after that, Augustus was born, and there and was therefore regarded as the son of Apollo and and Propertus uh, elegies quotes the the god Apollo as saying, uh, "Oh savior of the world, Augustus, now conquer at sea. The land is already yours. My bow battles for you." So an ancient inscription in modern Turkey too it refers to Augustus as the divine Augustus Caesar, son of God imperator of land and sea, benefactor and savior of the whole world. So Caesar Augustus, conceived of Apollo, was in Roman theology. He was the savior of the world, and Luke's gospel responds in that context. This is why the Christmas stories for Luke's gospel are significant. Uh, uh, Luke's birth narratives allow the author to draw a deep contrast between Rome's vision for society, the Pax Romana, and Jesus's vision for a society of distributive justice, especially for the presently marginalized. And this contrast I think it provides rich insights for us today. Those of us who are also working toward a world that's characterized by distributive justice for everyone. And we'll see this more deeply as we discuss Judaism within the systemic injustice and oppression of, the, of Roman imperialism next week. But I want to just start off this week by just having you see how deeply Luke is, Luke's gospel is a, is a political story. Luke's birth narratives, they're political stories contrasting Jesus and his vision for human society with Rome and Rome's vision for human society. 
those today who allow the Jesus story to, to speak into their lives as we all work together to shape our world into a safe, compassionate, uh, distributedly just, just home for everyone. There's lots in this story uh, for, for them to consider. Heart group application, what are some of the political implications that you see in Luke's birth narratives in the context of, of the above contrast of Luke's gospel, in Luke's gospel uh, between Jesus and, and Jesus's vision for society and imperial Rome? Discuss this with your group. And one example of where you might start is Mary's declarations beginning in Luke 1, uh, 46. Number two, discuss with your group what applications can be drawn from these narratives in our work today of engaging and making society more just. And then number three, pick something from your discussion that you can implement or practice as a group in the coming year. Thanks for checking in with us this week. Wherever you are, keep checking choosing love, compassion, taking action, and reparative and distributive justice. Another world is possible if we choose it. Remember, all donations this month to Renewed Heart Ministries are being matched dollar for dollar. Through this generous offer, you can make your support go, go twice as far here at the end of the year. And also, we're offering a special thank you gift this month to all of our sustaining partners. To find out more and how you too can become a sustaining partner, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click the, the shared table fundraiser image. I love each one of you dearly. Happy holidays to all of you. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you next week. <laughs>